Welcome to Driving the C-Bus. I'm your host, Scott McComb. I'm chairman and CEO of a little community bank in Columbus, Ohio called Heartland Bank. My travels really expose me to some very interesting people, entrepreneurs that are world-class people in their own right, but run businesses that are up and coming in the 13th largest city in the country, which is Columbus. Each one of them is is also uh, unique in their own way. Their upbringing is different. Their family life might be different. But ultimately, the one thing that holds us all together as entrepreneurs is hard work and dedication and our love of our people. So that's what we try to do here here on the podcast is figure out what makes these entrepreneurs tick, what makes these areas of Columbus what they are, and how Columbus really became the place that it is today. Welcome to Driving the Sea Bus. Uh, today's guest is uh, is a very special person I've known most of my life, uh, Richard uh, Richard L. Ike Stage. Uh, we know him as Ike. Um, elected uh, to the position of mayor of Grove City for third consecutive term back in 2015. Uh, uh, Ike has served. Actually, this would be his fifth term as mayor, but not consecutively, because he also has a rich background in the banking world that we'll get into today on the show. Uh, The mayor attends all meetings of city council and and with the right to participate and debate, uh, but not to vote in the city of Grove City. So he doesn't get a vote. They do have a strong uh, mayor uh, 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 format for for the governing of the city, along with uh, city council, civil service commissions, planning and commission, board of zoning appeals, and the parks board, and all kinds of things that all cities have maybe to, to make things tick. Um, as the city's chief executive, uh, the mayor appoints uh, and delegates to the city administrator all city employees subject to provisions of the charter and the state civil service law. The mayor uh, uh, submits uh, city's tax budget estimates and councils annually, uh, for ensuring count the calendar year. And uh, before the first day of July, he also submits the proposed spending appropriation. So there's a lot of things that the mayor does uh, in the city of Grove City. And uh, and I just want to um, uh, also welcome uh, Ike to the show. So, Ike, welcome. Oh, thank you very much, Scott. That's a rare opportunity. Yeah. Uh, my first podcast, as a matter well, of fact. Well, how about that? Uh, we'll be gentle. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tell you, you know, um, I, I always like to get to know people and for the audience out there to get to know them personally, you know, just where they grew up, where they came from, what they did as a as a child, maybe a little bit about your family. So tell me, uh, Ike, uh, you're originally from Grove City, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. And uh, got some uh, rare background as far as my family. Uh, matter of fact, my great-grandfather was a town marshal uh, back in the late 1800s. Uh, my brother was uh, the first walking mailman in Grove City. He was considerably older, of course, than me. And uh, I lived on Kingston Avenue uh, for since I was, you know, born and ran a bike shop. As a matter of fact, when I was 12 years old, called Ike's Bike Repair, ran it for uh, four years. So I was an entrepreneur. Uh, actually, it was my first time I had uh, uh, an audience with the uh, mayor and the city council because I was operating a bike shop in an area that wasn't zoned. So my mom and dad had to bail me out. We got that taken care of. But I still kept my bike shop. Ah, that's awesome. Well, you know, it, 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 uh, so you've seen the city really grow up 
literally all your life. I mean, you've been there, lived there pretty much all your life, right? Except for one stint a little bit in New Orleans. Uh, there in, uh, in the Army, of course, and then uh, I ran a bank for Huntington National Bank in uh, Ashland, Ohio, for a few years. But other than that, yes, we, uh, we've grossed as our home. That's one, one reason I have the passion. When you grow up there and you've grown with it, you got to have the passion of knowing how it's going to be in the future. So it's a lot of fun. And you raised your uh, raised your kids there. Um, you and Sheila raised your children there in the in the city. Yes, I got a daughter and a son. Uh, daughter's in Juneau, Alaska, and uh, she's got a great family and a son uh, uh, who's here in uh, Columbus. And uh, we just have a good time as a family. It's tough to travel up to Juneau to see your high school graduation, but you got to do those things if you want to stay involved with your family. I hear you. Yeah, that's uh, a long way to go, but it's a beautiful place. You know, uh, once you get there. Oh yeah, a lot of <laughs> lot of fun. Beautiful. Yeah, that's wonderful. Well, hey, uh, shifting gears a little bit into in some of the things that you've done professionally. I mean, obviously, you were an entrepreneur with your bike shop. How old were you when you started the bike shop? I was twelve years old. Twelve. And, uh, yeah, and I ran it until I was sixteen. And, uh, how about that? Uh, there were weeks during the summer I'd make forty dollars a week, and uh, that's pretty good. <laughs> not bad, and then mowed grass as well. Yeah, gotcha. And then that uh, obviously having that entrepreneurial spirit um, helped you when you got into the banking world, right? Uh, tell me about that. Well, it's, it's interesting. When I was still in high school, I was hired by Huntington National Bank. I had no idea, you know, what even banking was about. And for some reason, they picked me. And uh, for 34 years, I had a great career. I started at the grocery office, uh, where our museum is today. Makes me feel bad when the museum is where I used to work. And the Historical Society asked me to talk because it makes me feel old, and I'm not. <laughs> but I, I had a great career. When I ended my career, I was managing about 100 uh, banking offices for Huntington. Total assets about $2 billion dollars. And had just an un- incredible career. How, how did your your uh, your work as an entrepreneur affect you as a banker? Well, one of the things you learn is it's so basic about starting a business. I mean, you got to have a business plan. You got to understand where you're going. And uh, I, I was able to take that experience, you know, being so young and not understanding all of it, into uh, my business world with the bank because as I talked to entrepreneurs. I could relate. You know, this is tough starting a business. This is real tough. But we get through it, and you uh, do the fundamentals. And usually, if you got a good product, good service, you're going to be successful. Yeah, that's a that's one thing that you and I have in common. We were entrepreneurs before we were bankers, and I would totally agree with that comment because you know, uh, the bankers that have never made a payroll, that have never uh, you know had to rely on them solely themselves for doing whatever the task was, you know, they had no one else to call, you know, you got a problem, there's, there, you can get some advice, but there's really no one else to call, it's you, and you have to make the decision, and you got to live with the consequences as well, and so, you know, that's the, uh, the risk-taking uh, component that, you know, feeds right into people building equity, right, and, uh, and ultimately wealth, right, is through, uh, through that entrepreneurialism, but it does, when it affects your decisioning as a banker, uh, greatly, I, I tend to have more passion for people that that are entrepreneurs, maybe more so than the credit review folks, because I go out and kick the tires, and I'm talking to these people, and I can see their, I can see the passion in their eyes of what they believe in, and and uh, and that that caused me to go and defend my customers to the institution and say these people are worth it, our trust, right? I mean, well, it, yeah, one of the things I trained a lot of lenders over the years, and one of the things that I think they it, it's very difficult to balance is 
they don't understand that the customer is expecting their expert advice. So when they say, you know, this loan's approved or you got these contingencies, I mean, they're taking that as full gospel and they're thinking that because the lender is saying it's okay, it must be okay. And that's not always the case. You got to get under the covers and understand the business as, as well as you can as a banker. But I, I had a loan turned down one time, three times by the loan committee. And we finally, I took it to the president of the bank and said, you know, this is a good deal. He went to visit the customer with me and he said, hey, this is a good deal. So you got to play both sides of it. But the customer really relies on us as bankers and making sure that we're giving them the ultimate okay, even though it's a financial, it's also mental and a spiritual as to this business is going to work. That's right. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, I couldn't have said it better. Um, uh, now, you've taken that uh, experience, so your entrepreneurialism into banking, and then and then um, you were a banker while you were mayor for for uh, for many years as well. And uh, so taking that experience, I mean, now that you, so you, you've, you've leveraged your entrepreneurialism into being a banker and then taking the your acumen as a banker and applying it to uh, the public sphere, um, th- that obviously was a, a benefit to you as well when you're talking about economic development and understanding these companies moving in and trying to build the tax base for, for the city back in the day. Well, yeah, it's interesting that you've picked that up because uh, I got a very unique background because for eight years of my my uh, first two terms, I was employed by Huntington. As I said, I was trying to manage 100 banking offices. We did very, very well. And uh, every time I went around the state, I always looked for what are the components that makes this city, this community successful. And the one that I really go back to, uh, matter of fact, I was with the president of Ashland University uh, on Friday, was Ashland, Ohio. Ashland, Ohio was a complete community. They had a hospital. They had a university. They had a great downtown. They were a county seat. They had all the components that really can make a city and a, and a community uh, uh, successful. So I kind of took that model and said, that's the way I want Grow City. If I can influence our community to become a full-service community, we've won. The only thing we're lacking right now is a university, and we're going to get one someday. Wow. That's true. Well, you, now you have two hospitals in Grove City, right? Right. So so the city itself, when you were mayor the first time, what was the population of Grove City? Uh, probably in the 15, 12 to 15,000 uh, population. Today, we're 42.5, and uh, we project about 54,000 by 2050. And that ranks you where in the in, as far as the suburbs in Columbus? Well, that's, uh, that's, I, I love to do this because uh, we are the largest suburb in Franklin County. Now, what that means is we're totally in Franklin County. Dublin's still the largest suburb in central Ohio, but they're in Union and they're also in Delaware. But we are the largest suburb in Franklin County. That's wonderful. Yeah, you know, and I, I grew up there, so I have a uh, out on a little farm and six sixty five. We started in town, and then my my dad was a farmer. I came from a farming background. We had a little gentleman's farm out in the country, and and uh, so I went to Grove City High School. So I grew up in the city. Uh, you know, I remember Stringtown Road, but it was just a two lane road. Now I think it's six or eight lanes across. It's uh, what's happened to the city is just uh, unbelievable, and, and its proximity to downtown. Uh, really puts it as uh, a, a very accessible community. Well, one of the things we, we always talk about when we're t- calling on a company, and, and by the way, most of our growth still comes from within as your business, you know, most of your business is generated from your current customers, and that's about the way it is with the city. But we have a unique situation where one of the few communities has four interstate interchanges. Uh, we count the interchange down at uh, 62 at Orient, 
as one of ours because it directs you into Grove City. And we, a matter of fact, we coin ourselves as being the southwest county seat of Franklin County because it is the entree into central Ohio. With the new hospital, uh, Bayer Chevrolet, and all the things going on in that corridor, it certainly makes a presentation that you expect as you drive on into Columbus. What would you say, uh, you know, you, again, you've been uh, been there for uh, such a long time, and, and all these good things have happened to the city under your watch. Uh, tell me about some of the challenges, maybe, that you've uh, had to overcome, if you can name an instance or two of uh, maybe uh, uh, some adversity you had to overcome or, or challenges that the city may have had at a time, how you work through those challenges. Well, I'll, I'll give you the one that comes to mind always right off the top is the Walmart Distribution Center. Walmart had approached the city, uh, I think it was like 1990. Uh, they had also been talking with 16 other communities around Ohio and even one in Indiana about wanting to locate this uh, a distribution center. Now, the distribution center at that time was going to be 1,000 employees. Today is going to be 1,700. You think, wow, people are going to say, embrace that and say 1,000 jobs and gross there. Are you kidding me? Boy, it did not work that way. And uh, we had uh, we had meetings that were uh, uh, pretty ugly, and uh, we had a great council. They were patient. They listened, and we made some adjustments. Uh, you'll probably find more trees planted around the Walmart distribution center. If you took all the distribution centers around the United States, they wouldn't have that many trees. So we, we made those adjustments. That was number one, and today they're just an absolutely uh, uh, story uh, textbook of what a company should be doing for a community. The other one was with Bazzuti Company. Uh, they wanted to extend a major road, which was Gantz Road, uh, down to Stringtown Road. Uh, they wanted to build a number of uh, uh, multi-purpose buildings, and uh, people kind of revolted on that side of town. We had one meeting where it was 400 people show up, and they had placards. They had bullhorns, and uh, it, it almost got out of hand, but we were able to handle it. Now, the 400 five or four and 395 against that's not good odds but again <laughs> we we had a great council uh we were patient we listened uh and, and, and in the case of gantz road when you go down it and you see all the mounding the trees the landscaping it works matter of fact there are like four five thousand jobs today in that area you know what's amazing though is uh uh you know i used to attend a lot of the city council meetings as a representative from the chamber of commerce uh, which is the Grove City Chamber of Commerce. We'll, we'll get into the infrastructure of the city here a little bit and some of the other entities that are there that help make the city a great place. Uh, uh, but uh, I remember going to, to uh, most of the council meetings, like for uh, two years, and nobody shows up for those council meetings, except for the people that want to get something done. And then whenever the, they're, they're, you know, the public gets up in arms about something, then they you know, flood the room, and then everybody has to react. It, it, it's a shame that people don't take more interest in what's going on in their city besides when they're going to put a road through their backyard. Well, it, it is, but I'll tell you, we've done a, a lot better now. Uh, we do a lot of – we do uh, uh, live cast uh, on the Internet with our uh, council meetings. The other thing that we do is uh, we do a lot of open discussions through the Internet. Our website lists every project that we're working on, and people react to them pretty quickly. They say, hey, you know, I see something's going on at the next location. The other thing we've done is we've started putting signs out where there's pending change in zonings, and that also generates a lot of conversation. So things are better, but you're right. When people uh, years ago – uh, there weren't many people show up for council unless they had really a 
huge vested interest in it. But, uh, you know, it's worked. And the system's worked. Even those 400 people showed up. We got it all done. Took us another six months, but got it all done. Yeah, that's uh, it, it. There's uh, the inner workings. It's very interesting. I would encourage anybody that's never been to a council meeting or, uh, you know, regardless of where you live, you should go and check it out sometime and see what is on the docket and see how uh, the council people that you elect and that are representing you are are handling themselves. You know, on uh, on city issues and there and there's a whole Madrid of issues that people, uh, you know, talk about in city hall. And now the current the current. Uh, um, uh, president of council is that still Roby Schottke? No, it's Steve Robinette. It's Steve Robinette. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, Roby was a former uh, one, right? That's he was correct. Before Steve, he was also my uh, chemistry teacher and biology teacher in high school before he became a politician. So, uh, again, deep roots in the community. Um, the the uh, council. How many people are on the council? That's a five member council, which works very well. Although it will expand to seven in twenty twenty three. And uh, but it's worked very well. The other thing that happens with our council is geographically dispersed. We have one council at large, one council person at large, but the other four rep- represent a geographic area. And I think that's very, very healthy. All the communities should embrace that approach uh, because it does give you a vested interest as a council person to make sure you're representing that area, not overly representing them, but just representing them. Right. You know, getting the message across to um, constituents and and people that live in the city, voters, um, about the importance of economic development and jobs. Like you were just talking about Walmart and what a big uh, hurdle that was. That was that that is the large one of the largest employers, I think, in the city, if not. Uh, still the largest employer right i mean mount carmel might be yeah mount carmel's passed him now passed him by, by this point but that was this was back in the 90s right, right. Or the early 90s and so you know it was really putting us on the map and i think i remember the debate was all about tax abatements how we're going to give them a tax abatement and they're going to come in and and this walmart as soon as that tax abatement's going to go they're going to leave and 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 that's that's happened well that was 30 years ago it's been twenty, you know, almost thirty. Almost thirty years, years yeah. ago. So, yeah. so we gave them a ten-year tax abatement, and so we've gotten now twenty years out of them not being in a tax abatement, and they've doubled the size of their employment base. What does that do for the coffers of the city? Well, it's interesting about tax abatements. We caught a lot of grief. Uh, we uh, th- that was a probably the largest single employer uh, of having tax abatement, but. This property that Walmart's located on paid $11,000 a year in real estate taxes. No other taxes. It was 11, farm ground, wasn't it? Yeah, it was farm ground. $11,000. And the first year after they put the parking lots in and started doing the site work, they paid $200,000. So the people who have challenged me on tax abatement, I'm not real good at math, but when you go from eleven to two hundred, I'm not sure what you gave away. So today that is a huge uh, – uh, benefit to everybody, schools, township, and the city, of course, with the uh, uh, income tax. Well, you guys have been very progressive as far as uh, development goes. I mean, I know that, uh, uh, you know, if you go around the 270 outer belt and you try to do business with some of the entities out there, uh, some of them are very, 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 very difficult. That was four very difficult to deal with, and and some of them are are very progressive. They want to, to have development. They want your business, and uh, they ro- kind of roll out the red carpet. Tell me what the stance uh, has been and is there at the city as far as welcoming new businesses. Well, you know, we're, we're, we we have been noted by many developers. Uh, matter of fact, Mount Carmel Hospital. Uh, they've dealt a lot with other communities, and, and I'm talking about Mount Carmel Corp. 
And and when we we approached them about the turnkey uh, uh, inspections we have and how we do development, they couldn't believe it. And yes, they you know there's been a few issues there, but they sure, certainly appreciated the timeliness of our inspectors, the way the fire department worked, and all the other uh, other departments they had to work with. But we we go out of our way to make sure we accommodate the company. Uh, when the Fraternal Order of the Eagles moved the world headquarters to uh, Gross City, they couldn't believe we did a turnkey uh, six months of you're in council and you're able to shovel dirt. But that's just the way we are. We take it very seriously. A lot of people don't understand economic development. They under, they think that people are just waiting and companies just waiting to come into your city. It doesn't happen that way. You got to go out. You got to do some work, and you got to be un, understanding of their situation. Right. Uh, you know, um, how about? Uh, and I mean, if if you didn't have that kind of economic development, what would be the tax burden? Uh, you know, on individuals that live in a city to enjoy what they have, streets, uh, parks and recreation department, festivals, uh, you know, infrastructure, um, all that. I mean, it, it, people really just don't understand the fact that you have to have that economic development. Otherwise, the tax, bur- tax burden falls squarely on uh, the, the individual residents. Right. And, and again, that is something that's not understood. And I always talk about the macro view of economic development because the schools have to benefit, the townships have to benefit, and the city. And when I'm talking about the community, I'm talking about even the peripheral around the community. That when we put in new roads and and we put in traffic lights and we do upgrading of uh, streets, that is all to the benefit of the whole and not just to the city of Gross City. And that kind of gets lost in the shuffle. But we are a main driver of economic development in southwest Franklin County. Yeah. Now, the, the, the relationship, Grove City also has a special relationship with – the entities that are all there responsible for the quality of life, right? So you have the city, uh, you have the township. So the city is squarely in Jackson Township. Um, I think you're all in Jackson Township, right? The entire That's city correct. is inside the township. Uh, those that don't know that, you know, Land Grant Brewing is not just a brewery. Land Grant uh, stands for the, uh, it was named based on the fact that the Ohio is a land grant state. And so if you fought in the Civil War, you came back, uh, you got a piece of ground, and those are known, now known as our townships. And, mm-hmm. and so uh, we have those townships across the, the uh the state and uh, so Jackson Township, Grove Cities in Jackson Township, and then but you also have a uh, uh, a really unique relationship with uh, Columbus City Schools and Southwestern City Schools through uh, uh, the win win uh, arrangement that was uh, created back in the eighties, I believe, or the seventies, maybe. I'm not sure, but uh, so you have the cities, you have the city, you have the township, you have the school system, and then also you have the Chamber of Commerce that's down there in Grove City. Tell me about the relationship of all those entities. Well, it's interesting. Again, going back to uh, top uh, developments that stick in your mind, Central Crossing High School would not have been in Gross City had we not stepped up and said, hey, uh, Jackson Township, City of Columbus, Franklin County, City of Columbus, that should be in the City of Gross City. We're the best place to be servicing that, particularly providing a uh, school resource officer. So through all those entities, we worked together casted uh, an agreement of who's going to be doing what. The school's in the city, got built originally in the, in the township because in, they, they wanted it that way. But anyway, it's, it's, an, it's just a, a microcosm of how we operate with our other, uh, our other team members in the, in the city. The other one that we're working on right now, for instance, Brook Park Middle School, uh, is going to be relocated. 
and that student body is going to be moved. Uh, they were going to move over by Holt Crossing, which is in Columbus. And we got a hold of it and said, hey, we don't want you moving. Let us try to figure out a way to do it. So we're about 90% completed with a deal that will actually put Brook Park uh, over by the Beulah Park development. We've assembled 20 acres. And as a result of doing that, they're going to allow us to use Brook Park then as a community facility. So another absolute win-win-win. That's great. Well, you know, working together, the organization's got to work together, obviously, because they all have their own uh, area of responsibility. Um, and, and, and one that I know you helped start the Chamber of Commerce uh, with my father back in the 70s. So, uh, um, and again, when back when you were an entrepreneur, before you became mayor and all that kind of thing, you were you were there. Tell me of the integral relationship that you have with the Chamber of Commerce and what the Chamber of Commerce does for the businesses there in the city and how they work together with those other entities. Well, you, you always need additional resources. You need eyes and ears out. And again, most of your business is going to be coming from within. So you got to make sure you got the people out there in the chamber is a great example of being in touch with the businesses. You know, if a traffic light isn't working right, if there's a pothole someplace, the business either will tell the chamber or tell us. So there's a lot of things that we do and from a communication standpoint that we, we, we interface with the chamber. Uh, we have uh, breakfast with businesses, and the chamber's invited to that, and they come in and listen and, and participate in that. But we have a great relationship with them. Uh, when we formed the chamber with your father, uh, it was because Grosse really had not had any economic development. I mean, we were tickled to death to get a, to get the Kmart originally. So, uh, you know, you got to start somewhere, and we did, and we're, we're very proud of where we are today. Yeah, I tell you, I remember those days when we got the we got a very first movie cinema, and we just thought that was the bomb. I mean. I remember saying King Kong, the very first movie that came out was <laughs> King Kong back in the, that was in the 70s for sure, with Jeff Bridges and uh, some other good-looking blonde gal, I forget her name. But, um, uh, well, on to where, what you've been doing for the last several years. Now, you've had, you've been mayor again for, uh, this will be, you're running now for your sixth term, and you had two two consecutive terms, right. and now you've had four together. Is that right? Then I've had three together, and this, uh, this, this will be, will the, be the fourth. Th- oh, three and right. three. Okay, right. gotcha. Now, uh, you know, a lot a lot of folks may be asking, well, geez, you know, he's been there too long. Do, do we need some new eyes and ears? Do we need a new way of doing things? I don't think the city's ever been on better footing than it is now, and uh, under your watch, it's grown to great heights. Uh, what would you say to the folks that may, may give you that uh, – uh, give you that line. Well, one of the things we do every two years, and I think you do this with your customers, we do a, 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 a every two years a survey of our community. You know, how are we doing? What should be changed, and so forth. And one of the key indicators is what I call customer satisfaction, which is really citizen satisfaction. And for the last five years, the citizen satisfaction has been over ninety percent. And you know, in your, in your business, when you got a, a result of over ninety percent being satisfied, that's almost like a hundred percent because you're never going to get a hundred percent. So we've had that now. We've done that survey for over twenty years, and it has done nothing but notch up. And uh, I don't know what else you'd point to if your if your customers are happy. Then who cares how long somebody's been in office? I completely agree. I mean, if you're continuing to deliver, uh, just give me more, right? I mean, just try to figure it out and, and keep the ball rolling. Um, uh, you know, the the city itself, though, is very, very healthy. Uh, again, under your watch, I know that uh, uh, in the past, we our, our, our treasurer received 
you know, an accolade every uh, every year, every two years, you know, from the state of Ohio and the National Treasurer's Association. Uh, the coffers of the city are very strong. The tax uh, burden uh, for folks living there is very reasonable compared to whatever everything the tax bills are in Franklin County overall. And uh, I just don't know what there is to change or what there is to, you know, complain about, really. I mean, well, it, it's interesting because you, you hit it right on the head. I mean, it's a balance in the act. And again, being in business, you understand balance. And in our case, what is not understood, I don't believe, is, and you read it very early on, the mayor is the chief executive officer of the city. The mayor appoints the department heads. The mayor appoints employees. But when there's a change in the mayor, what do you do with the employees that are there today if the new mayor has the opportunity to, to reappoint? And so what happens, you get a little bit of chaos built into the process. What should happen is there ought to be an, uh, a, a gentleman's agreement ladies and gentlemen's agreement, whichever the case may be, that we're going to do a transitional government. And uh, quite frankly, that's what I'm hoping for if I win this particular election, that uh, we'll go into a transitional mode at some point. Because I don't want to be mayor forever, but I want to make sure when I hand it off that the city's going to continue to operate the way it's been in the past. You know, that's I think that's sage advice, uh, you know, because I've seen it happen the other way. And some of the other communities that you know, we have operations in, you know, at the bank, at Heartland Bank, and and uh, and I've seen that transition not happen, you know, the right way. People run for the wrong reasons, and then just want to, uh, you know, kind of give the city a lobotomy. And the people that suffer are the citizens right. and the programs and the people that rely on the city and the township relationships and economic development usually takes a couple steps backwards. Uh, so I think it's sage advice uh, to have a, 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 uh, a, you know, a positive type transition to where the community doesn't suffer. Right, right. No, it, it, it just isn't fair to the citizens and to the employees. But the other one that you just mentioned is in economic development. All of a sudden there's this haze that comes over the city. Well, I wonder if the mayor loses. So who should I be dealing with? And there's some communities around the, the outer belt right now going through that. And that's a very awkward situation to be because today you make hay. And, and, and if you can't do it now and you take a bump for two or three years, you'll never make it up. Oh, two or three years in the economic development business is an eternity. Yeah. As a matter of fact, it could wreck your decade if you take a couple years off. You know, uh, you miss opportunity. When companies want to come in, they want to come in, they're generally on a pretty tight schedule, especially with the economy the way it is and, and uh, uh, them searching for employ, uh, employees and, and uh, communities to, to base their business in. Um, it's, it's astounding, you know, to, to the speed that you have to have to win those yep. relationships. Right. I, I want to mention one thing. We just uh, partnered with CODA, and we're going to, I think, be the first – we are the first community that will have a CODA-driven last-mile, first-mile operation – and most of that was driven by Mount Carmel Hospital, the need to have good transportation. So we've got a unique relationship with, with code, and we're really looking forward to having that last mile, first mile up and operating. Oh, yeah. Well, I tell you, that's, you know, trying to get someplace in Columbus these days is tough enough as it is, right? But uh, the transportation piece and uh, it will be big for getting their people there and then uh, workers to be able to uh, have an economical way to report and and, uh, and get down to the city. So I think that's very smart, you know. Um, it, Gersey used to be a bedroom community, and it's not that anymore. I mean, it really, there's a lot of people that work out, work in Grove City, live elsewhere. So there's, uh, what's the ratio of people that live and work in Grove City versus, you know, work in Grove City? and live elsewhere well it's difficult to measure uh, i would say it probably is 20 percent that are resident and working in gross city and one of the other things is we have twenty six thousand job opportunities in gross city 
26,000. And that's what drives your economy. You, wow. keep, you keep that going. Uh, it can sure help you out for years and years to come. If you had to talk, uh, you know, you've been there for a long time. I know you've had a lot of great success. Congratulations on all those things. What would you say would be maybe uh, the one or two things that uh, that you really are proud about uh, that you've accomplished as mayor of, uh, of the city of Grove City? Well, I would say it's probably hitting all the cylinders on becoming an Ashland, and except for that, as I say, that university or college, and we're going to get that someday. But you got to have people wanting to live in your community. You got to have people feeling good about living in your community, and that's probably the thing that I feel the best about as an accomplishment. Because when I took over as mayor, uh, we did a survey. People didn't like living in Grove City. They didn't like talking about it, even though they lived there. So we've changed that around, and uh, thanks to a lot of other people, the Chamber was a big player, and we started a campaign called I Love Gross City, and uh, now we got a 93% approval rating. Yeah, I remember that. I think uh, Gary Segrist was president of the Chamber of Commerce back in the day, God rest his soul, when uh, when we uh, had that, and we had bumper stickers, and it was a whole deal. We were trying to really shake the Grove Tucky uh, deal, you know, so I'll tell you right now, I'm allowed to call it Grove Tucky because I'm from there, but no one else is allowed to, to call it Grove Tucky because it's not anymore. We have shopping uh, we have school. Uh, the school system is excellent. Uh, the infrastructure is unbelievable, uh, and obviously that uh, has a lot to do, Ike, with uh, with your efforts and uh, and uh, working with the community for all these years. Well, I really appreciate that. And the, the staff is incredible. Chuck Bozo, our city manager, has been there for forty years, and uh, you know when you have people who are also dedicated, they they lived in Grove City, they've grown up in it. It makes all the difference in the world, and that's the kind of people we want around. That's right. That's what makes the world go around. It's all about people, and we've got some of the best right down there in, uh, in good old Grove City. Any final thoughts, Ike, that you want to share with us today? No, I uh, really appreciate Heartland Bank. Uh, being a banker, I also know the importance of the financial world, and having credit unions and banks in your city really, really important, and we really appreciate Heartland's contribution and uh Wish you well for the years to come. Well, thanks, Ike. It's a pleasure having you on the show, and uh, and congratulations with all the great success you've had in Grove City. It's been a great run. We're hoping for four more years coming up. I know you're running this fall, and uh, you've definitely got my support because I can't really think of uh, anyone that's more dedicated to the to the citizens of uh, of their town than Ike Stage in Grove City. So thanks for driving the, the bus. Oh, very kind. Thank you.